back. Disclaimer this morning, fire, you know what I'm talking about, you know, flames. Uh, fire is, somebody just said fire, I think, was that Hallie? <laughs> fire is a very, very useful thing. Uh, it can be very useful to keep you warm, it can cook your food, I mean, it can be uh, very, very useful. But outside of safe operating practices, you know, outside of safe margins, fire, while it can be very, very useful and practical and, and helpful, it can also be very destructive. It can be uh, deadly if, if you use fire outside of safe operating procedures, right? Uh, but we get the opportunity to choose how we're going to use fire. Uh, I've used it good before, and I've done some really stupid stuff with fire in my life. Uh, I've made some very bad choices, but I had the freedom to make that decision when it came to how I was going to use fire. And, and what we're talking about in this series is somewhat similar to fire in that way, uh, because this is something, this series, this topic, everyone in the room, those of you watching us online, we all have the ability to agree or to disagree with the conclusions that we are coming to in this topic. We have the freedom to agree. We have the freedom to disagree, and we understand that. So we are doing our best not to use guilt, not to use shame. We're trying to avoid judgment with this topic because... Here's why this topic, this series, is something that applies to all of us. It applies to all of us in the room. Watch, it applies to me. It applies to Harley in Malvern. It, because there's some areas in my life where I've made very good decisions, I feel like. But at the same time, I have areas in my life where I have made some not-so-good decisions. And I have uh, made decisions that have left me wounded. I have left, made decisions that have made the people who are around me wounded. So I'm just approaching this topic and Harley is approaching this topic just as imperfect people uh, who have failed and who have failed in the past and who will fail again. We're, we're, that's the way we're approaching this topic. And, and Jesus approaches all of us the same way, broken people that make mistakes and fail. Now, the new covenant is, is very, very clear on a lot of things, but specifically it's very, very clear on the fact that, that Jesus was um, a creative voice at creation Thousands and thousands and however long. In fact, you know, the truth of the matter is when it comes to creation, it really doesn't matter the when, the how, uh, none of that matters. What matters is the fact that God created in the beginning God. That's really all that matters. And, and the new covenant makes it very clear that Jesus was there as well when in the beginning God. Jesus was there. And the creator, as the creator, has the opportunity. Yeah. I don't know why that happened, but you know what? That's just like emphasizing the point. Thank you. That emphasizes the point of the creator has the opportunity, uh, has the responsibility, has the authority uh, over how their creation is going to work, how it is designed to work, and Jesus was there. We talked about that last week. Uh, we talked about how God's design for personal morality, his design for purity, the way he set this thing up, to work was his plan, his standard was that he, he created us, uh, male and female, all the way down to the chromosomal level, X, Y, X, O, X, X. And from one X, Y male and one X, X female, he created something else. Uh, he created something called marriage. And Jesus in the New Covenant actually um, uh, affirmed that, that happened in Genesis. And then within a marriage, God created something else that's very, very special. Super special, in fact. It is a physical relationship between that man and that woman inside the safety of that marriage. In fact, only inside the safety of 
that marriage, for that physical relationship. That's God's only plan for marriage. That's the only thing that we find in the Bible, in Scripture. It's actually his only plan for any type of physical relationship between humans. That's it. That's the only thing that we find. In fact, that's where we do get our term for this series, morality. Uh, we also are using personal morality. We're using the term purity kind of interchangeably. Uh, we've used this definition already twice, but we're going to throw it up there again. The, uh, Google suggests that the Oxford Language Dictionary definition for purity, the topic for this series, is freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. Personal morality, purity in our thoughts, purity in our actions, our behaviors toward other people, purity. Everything that I think about, everything that I do as it is connected or as it regards physical relationships between humans, that is the topic, that is the point, that is what personal morality, purity, is. And according to Scripture, according to God, and confirmed by Jesus in the book of Matthew, in this gospel of Matthew, this biography of Matthew, it is reserved only for the safety between a marriage of one man and one woman in one Marriage, because what we said last week was very often, all of us, myself included, we just don't agree with God on everything. We, we kind of, uh, we look at some of the things in Scripture and, and we're like, okay, it's kind of like a buffet, you know. We'll say, okay, I'm going to take some of this, I'm going to take some of that, and I'm going to take some of that, but I don't want any of that, you know. I, I've made the joke before that for me, the buffet is like, uh, the thing that I don't want on God's buffet is like mushrooms, because I hate mushrooms. It's like, yeah, they stink, they, they look funny, they, they kind of, they, they squishy. I don't like them. Uh, so it's kind of like we got this buffet and we're like, yeah, God, I'll take some of this and some of this, but that I'm going to... No, I'm going to push back on what you say about that topic. And the reason is because our view of God, our view of ourselves, our view of our bodies, uh, our view of others, our view of attraction, our view of physical relationships, they're all broken. And they have been broken since sin entered into the world, since the fall. And the truth is this, and we're, what we're really trying to convey in this series is that we don't have to agree with God on this topic of personal morality. We don't have to agree. He has the freedom to choose his plan or our own broken plan. We, we have the freedom to do that. But this is the caveat. His plan is the only plan that leads to his best for my life. It's the only plan that's really going to take me to that point as designed by him. His plan is the only plan that throughout our daily decisions and our daily lives actually glorifies him. It's his plan for personal morality. Any other plan will glorify me or glorify anything above God. But he allows us to do it. He gives us the freedom to choose. But with that freedom comes consequences, right? I mean, with the freedom to choose to go our way versus his way, we have consequences that come with that. It's kind of like fire, you know, in safe, in, in safe practices. It's a, it's a good thing, but, boy, if you don't use it safely, it can be very dangerous. And what we're talking about in this series is very similar. Safely use in safe margins, it's a great thing. It's, it's amazing. But used outside of those safe margins, it can be dangerous. It can be deadly, in fact. Um, eventually, things get destroyed. People get burned, people get hurt, but still he allows me to choose his plan or mine. He gives me that freedom. And for me, sometimes I, sometimes I have chosen to listen to him and, 
And I was more content in those seasons. And then other times I've chosen to just do what I wanted to do because that's what my heart was telling me to do. That's what my desires were telling me to do. That's what my feelings were telling me to do. And in the end, it hurt me and it hurt the people who were around me, which um, brings us to our topic this morning for week three of this series, which is this. Even when I want to do the right thing and live according to God's plan, I often don't. Even when I really, really, really want to do what I know is the right thing to do and I know is a part of God's plan and I know the ought to is telling me that I need to do that, often I just don't do it. You know, there's something that I know for 100% fact about us, about people, about everyone in this room, everyone watching online and myself. It's this, I'm going to fail. I am going to fall. I am going to make mistakes in my journey of following Jesus. I am going to fall. I know that about myself. There's no doubt. There are times that I'm going to miss God's standard. There are times I'm going to miss his standard in a big, big way. There's going to be times where I cross a line that, you know, it's going to really be a big line to, to cross. And for me, it seems like when that happens, it typically goes like this, just for me, my personal experience. I, I think I, that won't happen to me. I don't have to... These things I need to worry about, but that, I don't really have to worry about that thing. I'm past that. I'm beyond that. I don't have to concern myself with that. And then when, when I, I cross the line and it happens, I'm kind of back with, man, I, I didn't see that coming. I would have never guessed that I was going to cross that line. Or I think, man, I, really, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I ought not do this. Remember, there's just something inside of us that just, you know, there's that ought to that's, outside of us and over us, we talked about specifically in the divine. I know I ought not do this, but man, I, I think it might be worth the risk. Come to find out, it's not worth the risk at all. And here's the reason why, at least in my experience, I often have, have asked those questions, had have been in those situations, and have found myself in those scenarios. Here's most of the time, here's why. Because the one thing that that all has in common is I ask the question, where's the line? I ask the question, where's the line? Where is the line that differentiates right and wrong, good and evil, God's plan and my plan? Where's the line so I know where the line is at so that I can get as close to the line as I possibly can and still be on the right side of the line so I don't cross the line? I ask the question that way, where's the line? So we live by the line. We date by the line. We work by the line. Everything that we do, we tend to do it as close to the line as we possibly can. And then, because I know this about myself, and I feel like I can say this about everyone in the room and watching online, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. It's going to happen. We, oops, step over the line. And then we think, okay, okay, okay. Now I, I, I very clearly see the line. I know where the line is. I know right versus wrong. I know as long as I do this, I'm okay. But if I step over to that line, I'm, I'm wrong and I'm outside of God's plan. So I won't cross the line again. But I'm going to still live as close to the line as I possibly can. I'm still going to date by it, work by it, experience everything. I'm going to get right up to the line in my decision making. But I'm going to really work hard not to cross it. And, but we repeat the cycle. Because we've living our, we're living our lives with no margin. We just have no margin between right and wrong, God's plan and my plan. And we live as close as we can to the line. Um, Paul actually describes that for us many, many times. There's a, the topic we are on this month, Paul talks a lot about. And he actually talks about what the result is of the oops when we step across the line. 
you know, specifically in the area, the topic we're talking about, personal morality. When we live as close to the line between God's plan and my plan in the area of personal morality and we, oops, step over it, this is the result. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says, Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. But then there's something different. In fact, the, the, the terminology we, we have, the, the phrasing we have is um, on the contrary. There's something different. Paul draws a line, if you will, between everything else and this conversation on personal morality. On the contrary, Paul says, the person who is sexually immoral, purity, personal morality, everything we're talking about, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. It's different. It's over here. It's different. There's there's an emphasis. There's a a significance placed on this specific, in this specific area. And it turns out, we find out that 2,000 years after Paul wrote this down, studies are showing that this is actually very true. When we miss God's standard in the area of personal morality and purity, it destroys self. Maybe talking physically, disease, sickness, certainly emotionally. It will destroy self. It will destroy intimacy. That's a big word that we don't have time really to unpack. It will destroy intimacy, emotional intimacy. That is something that is the best description I can use is a kind of a wedding gift that a man and a woman give to one another at their marriage. And it's very delicate. Intimacy is very, very delicate. It is a delicate thing that is built very slowly over time. Maybe even interchange the word intimacy, vulnerability is another way to describe it. But it's built very, very, very slowly over time. But it can be destroyed quickly. It can be gone. And if it ever does get rebuilt, it takes a long time. It's slow and it's painful. When we miss God's standard for purity in this area of personal morality, it will destroy relationships. It, uh, that whole one flesh, you know, uh, man leaves his mother and father and wife, joins together, becomes one flesh. That's devastating. When there is a failure of personal morality. I mean, it's devastating. It's damaged. Now, maybe you say, well, hold on, you're talking about married stuff now. I'm, I'm single. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm just going to check out over here until you get back to stuff that matters to me. But the truth of the matter is... Um, that statement is not accurate either because it is damaging and it is devastating to future relationships, to future intimacy. It destroys other people. There's collateral damage that comes with it. Families, children, spouse, future spouse, future family, future children, church, you, know, you name it. It destroys relationships. When there is a failure in the area of personal morality, when we step over the line in the area of personal morality, there, there is devastating. I mean, you think about just in your experience, whether it be you or maybe it's somebody you know or a family member or somebody that you've been close to or you've been in a church, you know, whatever, that is a devastating fall, a devastating fail. And that's what happens when we go with our own plan as opposed to God's plan and his design for morality and purity. So because following our own plan is broken and corrupt, and destructive. This is what Paul says. Paul tells us, okay, if you do this, if you step over this line, it is devastating. It is a sin against your body. Not, it's a big deal, Paul says in Ephesians 5.15. So this is how you react. This is how you respond to a potential personal morality or purity 
issue. This is how you respond. Paul says, so be careful how you live. We've actually read this scripture a few months ago on another series, but it, it applies to this. So be careful how you live. In other words, caution, be careful. Hey, uh, don't go the way that you want to go in the moment because it's dangerous. So you need to be very, very careful. Paul says, be careful. Then he says, don't live like fools. So don't live like people who are elevating their thoughts and their feelings and their desires above God's standard. Don't act like them. Act like those who are wise. Wise people who look around, see what's going on, and choose to submit to God and follow God regardless of how their feelings are pushing them. Don't live like fools, but act like those who are wise. Be careful, Paul says. Then he goes on, he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So it's not just a one-time deal. It's not just a, you know, one time and you got it. It's a every day, moment by moment, decision by decision, opportunity by opportunity. You follow these steps. Be careful. Don't live like fools. Live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity, choosing God's standard over my standard. Even when people around me are choosing to go their own way, whether it be culture, government, whatever. Just Go, follow God's standard. Don't act thoughtlessly, Paul says, but understand. So think about his plan, his design, and understand what the Lord wants you to do. Paul says, hey, you need to avoid failures of personal morality, and here's a great way to do it. Here, Paul, guided by God, clarifies how God wants us to live our lives and how he wants our decision-making to work. And this applies seamlessly to this conversation on personal morality. He doesn't want us asking the question, is this allowed? Where is the line? And I'm going to get as close to I can, as I can to it as possible without stepping over. It's the wrong question. Instead of asking the wrong question, which will lead us closer and closer and closer to disaster, closer and closer and closer to the edge of a mountain where when we do fall, because we're going to fall, we are going to fail. That's a 100% guarantee right here. I'm at the top of the list. When we do fall and we're closer and closer and closer to that edge, we fall off the mountain. Paul is saying this. Don't ask, am I allowed? Rather, ask, is this wise for me? Don't, don't ask, am I allowed? Ask, is this the wise thing for me to do? Because it could very well be allowed. It may be. It very well may be totally allowed, totally okay, totally within uh, the parameters of God's plan, but it may not be the wise choice for you to make. I'll give you an example. I'll try to give an example, flesh it out a little bit. Let's say you're married. Let's say you're married and um, you know, you're beginning to feel distant from your wife and you're beginning to get frustrated with your wife and you don't feel like she listens to you and it's just it's frustrating. So you begin confiding in a coworker because... She's kind, she listens, she empathizes, and you just have this need to talk. There is a need to talk. Now, guess what? There's nothing against talking. We are allowed to talk. Of course we are. We're allowed to talk. There's no law against talking to people of the opposite sex. Of course we can talk. There's nothing that says we can't do that. So maybe talking leads to, hey, taking breaks together, going to the break room together, and hey, everybody needs a break. Nothing wrong with breaks, nothing wrong with break rooms, nothing wrong with that. That is okay, that is allowable. So that progresses to a lunch. Hey, everyone has to eat. Nothing wrong with lunch. I love lunch. Had a great lunch yesterday. Well, it was more of a lupper kind of thing. It was like at 4 o'clock, but still, it was good. Everybody has to eat. 
Nothing against that. No rules against eating a meal. You're not breaking any rules. But slowly over time of just doing what is allowed, of just getting close to the line and staying on the right side of the line because I never did anything, I never crossed the line, slowly over time, feelings emerge. Feelings increase. Feelings lead to desires. And eventually, while only doing what was allowed, or while only doing what was allowed on the right side of the line, I end up crossing the line. And I end up doing what is not allowed, which Paul has already told us ends in devastation. All because I was asking the wrong question. Is this allowed? Instead of, is this really the wise thing for me to do? In light of everything I'm going through, everything I've gone through in my past, where I hope my life ends up tomorrow, is this really the best decision that I can be making, the, really the person I need to be confiding in, etc., etc.? Asking the wrong question leads us closer and closer and closer to the edge where we will eventually fail. Speaking from experience, we will eventually fall. And it'll be in a devastating way. Paul is saying this, if we want to follow Jesus, we have to swap our questions. Not asking what is legal, instead asking what is the wise thing for me to do. All right, so single folks, right? You know, you're like, eh, you're talking married again. Okay, single. Let's say you're single. Here's, here's God's standard. In case we have not been like 100% crystal clear on this topic, I'm going to lay it out one more time just so we're totally on the same page. All things related to physical relationships, thoughts, and actions within the safety of one man, one woman, one marriage. That's it. Nothing else. There's nothing outside of that. Anything outside of that does not meet God's standard. So single person talking over a break, is that allowed? Absolutely. Hey, it might even be the wise thing to do. Guess what? Guys, single, single all the single ladies, all the single men, See what I did there? Maybe not. Um, but here's the deal. Somebody got it. So here's the deal. You're never going to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex if you don't talk, right? Makes sense. So it's okay. Of course, talk. Talk all you want. Talk at break. Lunch, probably a good idea. You're not going to have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex if that conversation does not advance in some ways, right? So lunch, perfectly fine. Probably the wise thing for you to do. Maybe. Dinner, dancing that relationship, baby. But alone in a parked car, maybe not. Maybe not the best choice. When we're thinking about God's standard for personal morality, alone in an apartment, eh, maybe not. Is it allowed? Yes. Is it legal? Sure. But you know where your feelings are going, where your desires are raging, and actions will soon follow, and next thing you know, you've crossed a line. And you're headed over the edge of a cliff where eventually you're going, hey, we're all going to fall. We're all going to fail. Now, you may be thinking right now, and that's okay. I may have even lost somebody out the back door. And that's okay. I may have, somebody may have turned it off. Um, you may be like, hey, look, Cole. Hello, oh, bro. Hey, calm down. Calm down. I uh, thought we had finally gotten past some of this old-fashioned stuff that you're talking about up here. Because, like, I know where you're going with this. I see what you say. And I thought we had kind of gotten past some of that. And yes, most of us have. But see, God hasn't. God's standard is still his standard. All things related to physical relationships between humans, thoughts, actions, is reserved. One married man, one married woman. Because he knows. He knows. God knows that choosing our own plan related to morality is a sin against ourselves. Paul wrote it. It was very clear, black and white. Wasn't muddy, wasn't blurred. Black and white, no gray area. Because it destroys relationships. It doesn't enhance it. 
It destroys intimacy, future intimacy, when choosing our feelings over God's design. See, asking the right question, though, will lead us to living inside of the margin, the room that we need to have, knowing, knowing that we are imperfect and we have a propensity to fail, which we all do, Knowing we're imperfect and have a propensity to fail, we want room to fall so that we don't fall off the cliff. That's what we're talking about this morning, is margins in this area that is so significant. Because we need room to fall without the likelihood of destruction, because Paul made it very clear. There's just, it, this conversation on sexual intimacy, personal morality, purely, purity, it just hits different. And we know that. We know that. We know this one hits different. Not asking, where is the line? Instead, asking, where am I extra safe? How can I live with more margin? Paul says, in this world of bad decisions that end in destruction and pain, this world of, man, when you see someone in your life, in your family, in your church, in your school, in your, you go down the list, and they have had a failure of morality, you know it was not a simple stumble, oops, and it was done. It was disastrous. In a world where God knows that that specific sin will end in destruction and pain, what we're talking about this morning is God's protective plan this is insurance nothing more nothing less this is God's insurance plan this is God's insurance policy to keep his followers from experiencing destruction give yourself plenty of room away from the edge room to fall asking what's the wise thing for me to do so we can create a safe zone away from the edge so that when we do fall we don't fall off the mountain Paul tells us what, what, what actually what that looks like, um, how to carefully uh, and, and wisely live as opposed to foolishly. We see it in 1 Corinthians 6.18. Um, Paul says, and again, I hope there's no, if there's been any confusion as to whether or not this conversation, this topic of purity, personal morality that Paul is, it hits different. This is what Paul says, run, 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 the last two runs mine, run. From sexual sin. Get away from it. No other sin, Paul says, so clearly affects the body as this one does. This one hits different. This one affects everything bigger. Paul says, you know what's the wise thing to do when you are in the possibility of having a personal failure of morality? He says, run. Actually, physically remove yourself from the situation. Give yourself physical distance. And asking, is this allowed? Is this okay? Is this acceptable? That's unwise. Because it's going to inch you closer. It's going to inch me closer and closer and closer to the cliff. Doing the wise thing will walk us away from the cliff. Take us further from the edge. And if we fall, because we're going to fall, we won't hurt ourselves. We won't hurt the people who are around us. We can just get up, dust ourselves off, and keep being careful and wise in this area of personal morality. But simply asking the question, is this legal? Is this okay? Am I still on the okay side of the line? Those questions walk me right up to the cliff where if I fall, and I'm going to fall because I always fall, I always fail, I'll fall off the edge. 
And instead of just getting a little dusty, you know, saying, man, bad call, do better next time. It's going to end in some kind of destruction. Some type of devastation, not only to me, but to the people who are around me. And here's where Paul actually explains to us why the fall is so big. Again, this one hits different. The fall is bigger in this topic of personal morality. And Paul actually describes why it is so big. Um, Because when it comes to morality, a failure does cause a big destruction. Paul says this, he says, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Okay, already said that, be saying it again. We've already talked about this. It destroys self, intimacy, relationship, others. And then he says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't have any excuse to do it. We don't have any excuse to live that way. Because in verse 19, he lays out why we can't avoid this destructive and devastating choice. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Then he says something pretty amazing. Piggybacking off of what he just said, Paul says, you don't belong to yourself anymore. For God bought you, he bought me with a high price. What's the price? Well, the price is the torture, the death, the blood of Jesus. I was bought with a price that is so much higher than anything I can comprehend. Paul's saying, hey, you don't even belong to you anymore, man. God bought you. So you must honor God with your body. Run away from the line. Not toward it. Create safe distance. Safe distance from my eyes. Safe distance from my body. And honestly, this next one, um, this was tough. Safe distance from my mind. Here's something that I know about everyone in the room. Because I know it's true about me and I feel like I'm pretty normal. Somewhat. Average, at least. Maybe normal is a bad word. Average. Here's what I know about me. Every action that I have ever taken in my life began with an idea. It began with a thought. started in my mind. So the sooner that we can stop the thought, the less damage we will create. The sooner, the quicker that we can deny and detain the thought, the less that that thought has an opportunity to destroy. The quicker we can capture the thought, the less we're going to crash. In fact, that's our bottom line. The more thoughts that we take captive, the less casualties we take, the less we take casualties. How much is okay to think about then, right? Okay, so, all right. Don't act on it, but don't even, don't think about it. All right, so, so Paul, how much am I allowed to think of outside of a relationship with my husband or my wife in my thought life? How much is okay? How much is enough and how much is too much? Well, Paul tells us not even a hint. That's, that's, Not even a hint. We have to learn to evict thoughts. Ephesians 5.3, Paul says, But among you, speaking to followers of Jesus, he's speaking to the church here, among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. There's just something that hits different about this topic or any kind of impurity. There's something different about it. Now, this is really easy stuff that we're talking about. I mean, it's black and white. There's no gray area, no muddy uh, muddy water, no blurred line, nothing. This is very, very clear, but it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy just because it's simple. What we learn from Paul is we have to quickly remove thoughts from our mind before those thoughts turn into actions and before they take over. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, starting in verse 3. This is 
what Paul says. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but are made powerful by God for tearing down strongholds. We tear down arguments and every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. To make it obey Christ, to make it obey God's standard. We take every thought captive. We are so sensitive to this topic that we take every thought captive. Capture the thought or the thought will capture me. I got to capture it. I got to evict it. Now, this is kind of funny, but I, I feel like I want to I share it. So Harley, um, we talk, when we talk about this, he always says to me, look, I, I got a system of how I capture thoughts and like evict them. It's funny. It really is. And if no one laughs, I'm going to tell him that it's not as funny as I thought it was. But it, to me, it's funny. And this is what he tells me. He says, look, when I have a bad thought, when I have an immoral thought, an impure thought that pops in my, into my head outside of my relationship with my wife, he said, this is what I do. He says, I shake and bake. Okay, a few. But that's it. That's what he said. I shake and bake. Like, you mean like the food or like the, in the movie, the line in the movie? What are you talking about? I shake and bake. Okay, what are you talking about? He says, this is what I do. I shake it off. And then I bake my thoughts with the power of Scripture and the power of, uh, of, of, of good things, positive things. I shake and bake. I shake it off and I bake my thoughts. Then, take it a step further, something that's even wiser to do, something we talked about literally last month where we talked about twisting our lives in together with the lives of other uh, Christ followers. we got to have a community with transparency and accountability and we talked about it last month, with people who are also chasing after Jesus. See, the answer to our sin, and this is a big one, the answer to our sin is not legalism, it's not a list of rules, it's not, you know, it, it's, it's none of that, it's, it's just the gospel. That's the answer. The answer's not on a list, it's not found in a you should do this and you should not do that. The good news is this, it, it's just in the, the answer is follow Jesus. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? How did Jesus live? Follow that. Let his spirit live in me. Moment by moment, decision by decision, opportunity by opportunity to help me determine, this is the wise thing for me to do. Do I really need to put myself in that situation? Do I, and, and, and it applies to everything. But specifically, we're applying it to this conversation on personal morality. And the truth is this. Our culture hates this Topic. Our culture hates that statement because for us to choose to live wisely for ourselves reminds them that there's another path that is not ruled by our feelings or our opinions or our culture's feelings and our culture's opinions. There's another option. It's a path that's not determined by my desires and simply what I want to do and our culture hates that. It reminds our culture that there really is this thing called personal Morality, and it doesn't originate with me and my opinions and my feelings and my thoughts. There really is a thing called personal morality that doesn't originate with us, but it's from outside of us and over us. Morality is found specifically and only in the divine. And that makes some people mad because they don't want to submit to someone outside of them and over them, specifically the divine. They don't want to give an account to someone other than themselves. They want to be their own boss. Now, as we're kind of coming to a landing spot here, since creation, since the moment of creation, 
and the fall, when sin entered into this whole picture, we have not felt very good about ourselves anymore. We've not felt very good about our relationships with one another. We have not felt very good about our relationship with God, our relationship with His creation, our relationship with the body that we were created with. We've just not felt very good about it. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been bought with a price. And that price was really, really high. And ultimately, He has a plan for our lives that will far exceed my own plan. Because His plan is for human fulfillment, human wholeness, human flourishing. God's a heck of a lot more concerned about our holiness as opposed to our fleeting happiness and us becoming more and more and more like Jesus and less and less and less like our old self. He's a lot more interested in that. But this is where we're going to end. What happens? What happens when we continue to live a life with no margin? What happens when we just say, you know what, that's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really, I mean, old-fashioned conversation there, man. Yeah, you're, you're, you're like way, way, way in the past. That's like talk from my great-great-grandparents' days. What, what happens when we live our life right on the edge, right on the line, without margin, and then we just continue as we live that way, we just continually walk farther and farther and farther away from God's plan. We just walk so far from God's plan. What happens when we have walked so far from God's plan where, yeah, in the beginning I could hear him. In the beginning I did know, well, I ought not do that, but I still am going to do that. And we, we make that decision over and over where we've walked so far away from God's plan where we hear him less and less and less until eventually we walk so far that we just can't hear him at all anymore. He just, distant memory. What then? What happens then when we have walked to a place in our life where some people would say there ain't no going back? What then? That's what we're going to talk about next week. I can't encourage you enough. If you're watching us, if you're in the room, please come back. Please come back. That's our next step. Please come back. Because we're going to answer that question. It's a, it's a tough question. It's got some tough answers. We're going to answer it according to what the New Covenant tells us. And so we would encourage you, come back next week as we go into part four of this series, Bad to the Bone, Bad as I Want to Be. Let's pray.